All right, good morning. Great to be here with you today. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, worship team. Guys, it's great to just be here and worship together, isn't it? Uh, I can't tell you how much I love moments like these, and Jason said it really well. I've been going to a life group not as long as Jason has, but I have been going to, a life, to life groups for a long time. And I do want you to know how much we, we, we really do build uh, our lives. Like, Sunday morning is great. And I, I have to tell you, I love preaching. I love teaching. I love all the environments where that's happening. But where the greatest life change happens, in my opinion, for the long term, is when you're really getting to know somebody. And they know you. And they can look you in the eyes and talk to you and vice versa. And you're praying together and you're crying together and talking about life. And you're celebrating the, the wins and you're, you're mourning in the losses. That's what we need that. We need that. And so with that, uh, that is my moment as well. Never mind the creaking door behind the, the curtain. I don't know what that was about. But good times. Guys, we're in a series called Shine Like the Stars. And uh, I posted a little something on Facebook this past week, uh, rem- reminding you all if you could make it out. I know we've got a lot of families that are out just with sickness, but I wanted to encourage people to be here because we've got some stories that are going to be shared today of life change. And when we talk about wins and we talk about things to celebrate, and when you get up in the morning and you're part of a church, I want you to know something. It's not just about you having a moment with God in His presence, although that's good. And I want that for you. But the reason we moved here and the reason many of you have become part of this church is that we would allow God to use our church not only to grow us, but also to engage our community with the gospel. That's the win. And so stories of life change, that, ladies and gentlemen, is what we are after. And I'm going to pray for us in just a moment. But I want you to know when we talk about shining like the stars, what we're talking about is God changing our circumstances where there are sometimes areas or literally just a life that's filled with darkness. And God, it's like he flips the lights on in your life. And you have one of these aha moments as to how big God is and how great he is, how wonderful he is, and you begin to follow him. Some of you need a moment like that right now. Some of you need, you know, you, you, you've got dreams in your heart and they've just been taking a pounding as of lately and you need, you need God's presence. You need to feel him and know him. And sometimes the best thing for you and I in moments like that is to simply be reminded of how good God is. Father, be with us. Open our eyes and our ears this morning. God, we want to be more like you. We want to grow to become more like you. Help our lives to shine like the stars. Amen. All right, everybody do this, okay? Spirit fingers, okay? All right? It's, one of the, it's overcast today. You can put them down now, okay? That was excellent. You guys were really good at that, okay? 
It's one of those moments, okay? It's a Sunday. It's, it's kind of a sleepy moment, a sleepy Sunday where it's, it's kind of warmer than it should be in here, but it's also overcast outside, and it's kind of easy if we're not careful to kind of slip into the glades of the, of the church coma, but not today. Not today, Satan. It's not happening because there's too much good stuff to get to today. Are you guys with me this morning? All right, turn in your Bibles to Matthew 5, 14 through 16. We're going to jump straight into things this morning. Matthew's the first book in the New Testament. And the writer, Matthew, he says this. uh, He's quoting Jesus. And Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. And it gives light to everyone. One in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, I know many of you did not grow up in church that are a part of this church, and I love that. But I grew up in church. There was a little song that everybody sang. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Oh, yeah. Okay, you with me? Some of you were tracking with me, all right? Now, the entire time, literally until like three years ago, I had the words wrong. True story. Okay? I thought the words were, hide it under a bush. Oh, no. Okay? Right? Hear me. There's a, there's a verse that says, hide it under a bushel. No. Well, what's a bushel? It's a reference to this verse right here. Matthew chapter 5. You don't take your light and hide it under a bowl. Okay? I thought it was literally we're hiding a light under a bush. And I thought, well, I don't even get this song, but I've sung it my entire life. Even God, God is so good that even now he can, he can correct and change and bring life to these children's songs in my mind. I seriously did not know that I had the words wrong. Philippians chapter 2 says this. This is Paul writing. We talked about this last week. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. That's a, that's a harsh sentence right there. But let's be honest for a second. When we look around, we're living in a time right now where there's some things that are upside down. Jacked up, broken, warped, crooked. And Paul says that if we do these things, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. I love that. You and I are to shine like the stars in the sky. God has called us to live in such a way that our lives shine like the stars. Everybody this morning say, shine. You're meant to live bold and to live bright and to shine like the stars. That's an amazing thought. If you ever get out in the country... You know, we've got somebody in our church that's been starting an outdoor ministry for men, and I love it. When you get out into the outback and into the outdoors and you get out in the country and you look up, you see 
how bright stars are. They're magnificent to behold. And your life is to be magnificent. Glory in God. Pointing people to Him. Oftentimes, though, that's not the case, is it? We struggle with this. Now, my wife and I, you know, we, we live in Kennesaw. We have a house, and we've been in this house for a little over a year now. We bought it last year, and we were thankful to be in a position where we were able to buy a house. And we, we got into this home, and <clears throat> when you're walking through a house that you're going to buy or rent, everything is amazing. Everything is. You're like, we cannot wait to be here. It's going to be perfect. It's like a little slice of heaven, right? And then you get in, and it's not that it's not awesome, but you discover things that you had no way of discovering when you were just walking through the house, right? Everybody knows, like, you've got a shower, or maybe the water pressure just, for some reason, is pathetic, right? And you just know, like, I'm not going to shower in that shower. I'm going to shower in this shower, right? Because that shower, the water gets better. It's hotter, Right? I, know, I, know, I know it shouldn't be like that, but, but it is like that. Or you've got a room that just gets, doesn't cool like other rooms in the house are supposed to cool. It's just as hotter there. Hotter there. Okay? You know what I'm talking about. You discover things. Or like, you know, you've got the loose floorboard that you didn't know about. It was like being glued on when you were doing the walkthrough or, the, or you know, the, the this or the that. Electrical here, electrical that. And so there were things that I discovered about my, my home after being in it <clears throat> in its first week. I'm going to tell you something. When we first moved into our house, one of the things that we had to do is we had to replace all the light bulbs. And just between the kitchen and the living room and the little laundry room area, we have 29 light bulbs. I counted them last night with Graham, my oldest son, just to be sure. 29. That's just the main floor. We're not even talking about upstairs or in a little basement area. You know, you've got the recessed lighting, and then you've got your, chick, your, your chicken light, your kitchen light, and then you've got, your, you've got your dome hallway lights, and then you've got the bathroom light. And you don't realize it, but, you know, it's got the round bulbs over the mirror kind of a deal, and all of a sudden that's four. I have to change a light bulb in my house. Every single week. I don't know why. It's the devil. He's struck my home. But I kid you not, I laugh with Amy because every single week I have to get out my, my little ladder, you know, and I'm putting it in the hallway and I'm going up and I'm changing a dome light or I'm changing something in the hall where I'm changing this. I'm changing a light bulb every single week. Am I venting? Am I getting this out before you? Maybe. Maybe a little bit. You know, but here's the thing. We're, I'm talking about things that I've got to do and issues that I have. And what happens is that there are light bulbs that go out that, that diminish the light, but they don't make it impossible for functioning in my home. And because of that simple case, the light is less, but I can still see, I can still function. And so what happens is we don't get around to changing those particular light bulbs. I have a hallway in my house that has no light bulbs working in it. Zero. But because of the light of the other rooms, 
light up the hallway. I haven't changed light bulbs yet. There are light bulbs in, in, in the main floor that need replacing. I haven't changed them yet. And I don't want to, and I probably never will. But it struck me, even last night, as I was just thinking about this message a little bit, a little bit more, I feel like God gave me this illustration for you and I. Because as we're talking about shining like the stars, one of the things that we wrestle with is, is the light just feels at times like it's getting less in our life. Sometimes we get used to church and the presence of God and we no longer cherish the beauty of who God is. And just like that, it's like a light bulb just begins to go out in our soul. And lo and behold, you've got a light bulb that's going out here and a light bulb that's going out there. And, but, but, but you can still see, you can still function, you can still live your life as a Christian. But what you don't realize is that the magnificence of, of the, the splendor that God has put inside of you by the power of the Holy Spirit, the light of the world that is to be literally for the world, it's getting less and less and less. And it's like the light bulbs are just going out. But rather than doing what we need to do to refresh our hearts and refresh our soul, we get used to living on less light. I can see, okay. It's fine around here. <laughs> are you having trouble seeing? And I forgot about this until somebody literally commented that our hallway sure looks dark. I'm like, well, that's because there's like 19 light bulbs that need to be changed, and I haven't done it. But I'm going through the hallway back and forth, and it doesn't even bother me. Why? Because I've learned to live on less light. And I really, truly believe this morning, when we're talking about shining like the stars, church, what some of us need is we need to have the light bulbs freshly changed in our soul. Because there's some lights that just, that just need a little replacement. You need to be reminded. You need to be refreshed with who God is. We're a young church here. You know, we're coming up on four years, but in the, in the span of a church, understand that is a short life. That's a four-year-old, Okay. We've got some people who are, who are mature Christians. We've got people who are new to faith. We've got people right in the middle. And it doesn't matter your, the measure of maturity that you have or how new you are to Jesus. There will come a moment where you have to take spiritual inventory and change some things to make sure that the light of the world is on display for the world to see. And might I add, for the sake of you just being able to function well in your own house. You guys are with me this morning? Tracking? <clears throat> so, <clears throat> I want to say this. It's not a big idea. It's not going to appear on the screen. There will always be an invitation for you to live on less light in your life. And there will rarely be invitations for you to change the light bulbs and make things brighter. Why don't you hear that? There will always be people inviting you back to live with less light. Which makes some of this a hard decision. So what do we do about it? That 
is the right question, isn't it? What do we do about this? Because every single person, you're going to hear some people that just recently came to faith, and they will be excited, and I'm excited, and I love it. And this is not to downplay it or to diminish it or to be discouraged. But like anything, all of us have to take inventory and do what we need to do to stay fresh. So do this. Turn to Joshua chapter 4, 1 through 3. I love the book of Joshua. It's, it's about, well, surprise, Joshua. And the nation of Israel. And I, I realize not everybody knows the history here, but recently there's a, uh, there's a man by the name of Moses. He's one of the most famous people in the Bible. It's a foreshadowing of Jesus And Israel has been in bondage. They've been in slavery to Egypt. But God calls Moses to be a deliverer. And he steps up and leads and he he challenges Pharaoh. and, And Pharaoh releases the Israelites from captivity. And hundreds of thousands of people are set free. They cross the Red Sea. And they're making their way out of Egypt to this place that we call the promised land. I'm giving you a very, very abridged version here. You can read this in the book of Exodus, Numbers. You can read some of it in Deuteronomy. Well, what happens is, long story short, God's people are in the desert for 40 years, and they're finally getting ready to cross over the border into this land called Canaan. And the leader that is leading them to do it, his name is Joshua. He was Moses' right-hand guy. And that's where we find us in Joshua chapter 4. We have Joshua, and he is leading hundreds of thousands of Israelites to cross over into this land called Canaan. An unbelievable task is set before him. And this is what is said. It says that when the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, because this is right where the border was, they have to cross the river Jordan, as in hundreds of thousands of people have to cross through a river. The Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, because there's 12 tribes. And tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So we've got priests that are in the river, and and they're standing and holding their ground. And as they do, this amazing miracle takes place. God parts the river. So that the Israelites, all 100, 200, 300, I don't even know how many 100,000 people can walk across this river on dry ground. And as they're doing so, God says to Joshua, hey, bro, by the way, here's what I want you to do. Tell these priests, or excuse me, choose 12 guys, one from each tribe, and tell them to go down and get a stone from where the priests are in the middle of the river and bring it up out of the water, and then we're going to put them in a stack. Okay, sounds great. That's kind of a weird request, but sure, we'll do it. No problem. Why? Why are they supposed to do that? Joshua 4, 21 through 24. 
In the future, when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. You see, God knew something instinctive about people and that we are forgetful. Aren't you and I forgetful? Hasn't God moved powerfully in your life here and here and here? And maybe, maybe you didn't even realize it, but, but I guarantee you that there are moments where you can look back and you can say, okay, I'm pretty sure that was God, and I'm pretty sure that was God, and well, golly, I, I, I'm pretty sure that was God. And yet we find ourselves in despair, do we not? We find ourselves forgetting that the God that had displayed such great power over here is the God who can still display great power right here. And so God says to these people, here's what I want you to do. Go. This is an amazing moment. You're crossing over the Jordan River on dry ground. Go get a rock. Bring it over here. Let's put it in a stack because there's going to come a time where your people are going to forget. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to be able to tell your children when they walk by this big stack of stones and they say, Mom, Dad, what's up with these stack of stones? And you can say to them, this is the moment. This is for us to remember that God is good and great and he's faithful. Look what he did. There was a time where we were on the other side of that river. And you know what happened? God parted it. And we walked across it on dry ground. And that's how we got over here, little son and little daughter. Don't we serve an amazing God? Oh, and by the way, when you forget and you're tired or you're afraid, I want you to remember this story because this is the kind of God that we serve. If he did it then, he can do it again. That's good. I'm starting to preach now. I might get a little sweat growing on my forehead. If he did it there, why can't he do it here? See, remembering God through the good times helps you trust God through the hard times. And so when we're talking about the lights being turned on in our life, when we talk about, you know, the shining like the stars and all of a sudden we're, 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 things just, it's like the lights are going down. One of the things that we need to do in that moment is we need a stack of stones to be able to look at, to remind us how good God is and how great God is. And that if he did it then, if he did it there, God, I'm going to trust you to do it here. So, <clears throat> one other big idea for you. I know for me, when I'm reminded of what God has already done, I'm encouraged for what God can presently do. And even in my own life, sometimes people think that because you're a pastor, right, or maybe somebody's on stage, or they're drumming, or they're playing keys, or they're doing this, that somehow they're exempt from difficulty or from 
having distrust in God even, or having fearful moments, and it isn't true. Everyone here has to wrestle with it one time or another. Needing a point of memory because we will forget the kind of God that we serve. And so this morning, uh, in, in just a moment, we're gonna, I won't, I'm going to hand the microphone over to some, some young people in this church. Some of them go to this church. Some of them are part of our campus ministry, have another home church, but God has done some powerful things in their lives. And I know for me, one of the things that I need to be reminded, my stack of stones, by the way, I don't just have a stack of stones in my yard. I don't have pillars of rocks in my house to remind me who God is. Some of the things that we do practically is, you know, Amy, she'll put stuff on the mirror. You know, an index card or the Bible verse. And every time you're going and you're brushing your teeth, you see that thing. I love that. You know, we're, we're reading our Bibles and we're praying, but there's also nothing like seeing what God is doing in someone else's life to remind me of what he can do in my life. And that is why there is so much power, the Bible even says, in the power of our testimony. We overcome the evil one. How? By the blood of the Lamb, and the Bible says by the power of our testimony. Because it reminds us of who God is and what God can do. There is nothing God cannot do in your life. Nothing. wrap with one more verse here. And then we're going to bring some students up onto this stage. We're going to hear some stories. 2 Peter 1, 12 through 15. This is Peter. And he's writing to the church, the early church. What is it that he is saying? He's reminding them. Okay, the church hasn't even been going very long. And what are they doing? They're forgetting. So, so Peter is reminding them. He says, hey, I will always remind you of these things. And I can't get into all the context of all the things that he's reminding them, but let me just paraphrase that God is good, he's great, and he's worth living for. I'll always remind you of these things even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. So you can know them, you can have a foundation, and you can still begin to forget I think it's right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus has made clear to me. See, Peter's getting ready to die, and he knows it. And this is his last letter. And what does he want to do more than anything else? He wants the soul of this church to shine. And so he's reminding them because our propensity is to forget that God is worthy, that he can do anything, that he's worth living for, that he's good. And he says in verse 15, I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. See, it's easy to forget. 
And yes, if you take anything away from this, it's to be reminded this morning of who God is. And when we anchor ourselves to who God is, yes, that is one of the ways the lights begin to get turned on in our life a little bit better and a little bit more effectively. You know what? Putting some things on your mirror to remind yourself who God is, you know, a figurative stack of stones, so to speak, of what God has done. I have a giant bag of rocks in my church office. And on those rocks are from our very first year of this church. And people just wrote their testimonies. They wrote little things of what God had done, how God had set them free. And you need to know that from time to time, I pick up those rocks and I just look at them because it reminds me who God is. If you're a student that's sharing testimony, come up on the stage with me because there are stacks of stones. There's things you can put on your mirror. There's things that you can do to practically remind yourself who God is. And then, ladies and gentlemen, there's just flat out hearing stories of God's goodness and his faithfulness. We need that. We haven't always been great at celebrating stories, but we're, we're making a conscious effort and decision to get more involved at, yes, asking people, even though they're scared or nervous, to share just a little bit of what God's doing. It's good for us to do that. Ethan, come over here. Come on the other side of this. Cross on over the River Jordan and come over here with me, Ethan. Now, something you should know about Ethan. I've met Ethan at our ENC meeting. We've talked a couple times. And he'll be the first to tell you he's a little more quiet. He's an introvert. But personality or not, God is not a respecter of whether you are an extrovert or an introvert. He's a respecter of whether you have a human heart and a soul, of which I'm proud to say that Ethan does have that. And God has done something great in his life, and he wants to share it this morning. Mike is yours. Thank you. Um, first, I would say um, I was born in a... Sorry. Hold it up. There you go. <laughs> Sorry. Um, um, I was born into a Christian family. My mom's dad was a pastor, a Baptist pastor. And then um, in fifth grade, I accepted Christ. And then through that time, um, then I struggled with pornography in sixth grade. And through that time, I um, was a my, it was a gap between God and me, like, that I felt really shameful, and then I met this, um, my eighth grade Bible teacher, and he was my mentor, and um, my senior year, I told him about it, and I cried my eyes out to him, and just through that relationship and trusting that, um, that knowing God is always with me and focusing on him, and then going to this last week, last weekend, we went to this ENC conference in Jacksonville and um, heard all these messages of just God's love and how he just changes your heart and it just softened my heart just to keep on focusing on him. And then on Sunday last week, I got baptized and now I just want to keep on focusing on God and just um, it's been six months now that I haven't struggled with pornography and just keep on focusing on him each and every day. Come on. Right there. 
Jesus takes our shame. Struggling with shame today? Feeling like the lights are going out a little bit? Jesus can take your shame. He can take your shame. In case you're wondering what ENC is, by the way, that's called Every Nation Campus. We are an Every Nation Church, and the ENC chapter at KSU is an extension of that. It's amazing. Zach, come on. Come on over here. Some, I, don't, I do not know Zach really at all. But I'm excited to hear his story, but you need to know something, because I love this. He was sick, couldn't make it to the ENC meeting, shows up at church. I'm like, hey, who, who are you? I'm Zach. Are you wanting to share your story? Yes, I am. I'm like, rock on. Let's do this. So Zach is one of the students at ENC, was at the ENC conference as well. God's done something powerful in his life, and he wants to share it with you as well. Hey guys, my name is Zach, as you can hear, but growing up as a, <clears throat> growing up, I grew up in a Catholic home, and growing up in a Catholic home, I mean, it, we were more of a hardcore Catholic family, and I knew God as a child, and, but come like middle school and high school, I really grew apart from him, I mean, trying to fit into, into modern day middle school and modern day high school is very, very hard, especially if you're religious, and I had no connection with God. I had no relationship with God. And it was, it was hard, and it wasn't an easy time for me. I was able to, like, flex enough into which to show, like, oh, I know a little bit about God, but I never truly did know who he was. And on this, this past weekend on the ENC conference, I just, I, I was shook. I just, I came to God, and he came to me, and we just met there, and just, the last worship Saturday night, people were just bawling their eyes out. People, there was just so much emotion. You could feel God in that room. There was a speaker there that was just waving his hand all over and saying, this is the Holy Spirit. This is what he can do to you. And at that very moment, I walked over to uh, one of the ENC leaders, uh, Gabby, sitting right in the front row. And I just, I just told her, I'm giving my life to God. I, there's no reason for me not to. I, I feel the Holy Spirit, and I just I want Him in my life now and forever. And taking that, what I got from this past weekend, is, and just going to out and going to apply it, is I just want to bring connection back to my family personally, because we grew apart from God as a family. We still are. We have a strong family connection. We just don't have God in that midst. And getting that and rekindling that faith as a family is something that I want to single-handedly do. That's the big goal of my life at the moment. And then eventually taking that from that family and going forward. Yeah. But yeah. Now, come on. You know God here, but you're struggling to know him here. Trying to move that relationship with God from your head to your heart. Struggling with that? God can help you with it. You need to know him in a real, life-changing, transformative way. That's, he didn't use those words, but that's what he's describing. God wrecked him. He felt God's presence, and he had not felt it before. And it changed him. Were you baptized also there? Yeah. Baptized in the ocean. Oh, yeah. 
We're going to pray for your family. Can we do that right now? Are you okay with that? I'm Lord, we thank you for Zach. We thank you for his family, and we just pray for, for them right now. God, we agree with his heart's desire to be used, Lord, to speak to his family about Jesus and about God, and that you'd use him to do it in a powerful way. Thank you for changing this young man's life. Amen. Thank you for sharing. Strong. All right. Shavam, come on over here, brother. All right. If you're watching the Olympics, there was a, there was a Shavam in the luge, and uh, it was powerful. I said, I know a Shavam. I was literally yelling it at the TV. This is, this is Shavam. He's been friends uh, with Michael. You've been to our church once before, right? Like a year ago or something like that-ish, about a year ago. Uh, friends with Michael, and uh, I'm not going to steal any of his story uh, from him, but God's been doing something powerful in his life too, and I love that he's got the courage to be here this morning to share it. Uh, Shavam, Mike is yours. Um, hey everyone, my name is Shavam. I, I grew up in India, and I was raised in a Hindu family, but my grandmother, she, she was the one uh, who was always there for me, and the year I was born in, she actually came to the United States and got, uh, got baptized. And she always took me to church on Sunday with her, and that's the only good memories I have about my childhood. But after she passed away, I kind of lost my way. I, I got sick, I got um, depressed, and I had lots of things on me. Then um, I moved to America a year ago. I met Michael. I, I had a lunch with him. He said really good things, but... <laughs> But over the whole year, this year, I, I, I did not give in 100% of myself. I came to church once. I went to ENC almost regularly, but never gave in 100%. And there was something I was missing. I had everything. I knew I had everything, but something was always missing from my life. Then this year, the first day of the year, Michael texted me, hey, bro, do you want to start reading the Bible? I'm like, sure, let's go. And we did start reading the Bible. And every day since then, I'm... I'm feeling something else. I feel different. I feel much more positive. And I also went to the conference last year, um, last week. The first day of conference when I was praying, I had a vision of my grandmother and her words. She was saying to me, even in the darkest phase, even in the darkest time of your life, just think about God. He will always be there for you. And then I realized he's always been there for me. And all I did was never give back anything. I've been like cheating on him. So I just decided I want to get baptized. And on Sunday, Michael baptized me. And here I am with my new family, living life. Amazing. Okay. That's Shavam. It's a powerful story. Michael said good things to him. <laughs> I love it. Feel like you've been cheating on God? You've been doing what Adam and Eve did, right? Running from God, hiding. But what does God always do? He comes looking. Where are you? Where are you? Sometimes the only response is, God, here I am. And all of my stuff, here I am. 
You need to be reminded of that today. That'll turn the light on in your house. Let me tell you right now, God, here I am. Would you do something fresh in my life? Shavam, thank you for sharing your story. Guys, let me introduce to you our final story. And this is Emily. She is not at Kennesaw State University. Where is she at? She's at the one and only Life University right down the road. Come on, put your hands together for Life University. Now, Emily, God's been working on her heart for a little bit now. And I was so excited when I heard that she was going to the Every Nation Conference. And if you know Nathan, I know these are lots of, there are lots of names I'm throwing out here. I don't expect everybody to know these names, and I, I realize that's a little bit of insider baseball, but, but understand that, that the, the gospel is about relationships. And so what these people are pointing to are, are, are people in this church, people like you who have been investing in them. And so I've got to use a couple names here. He's no longer here. He's, he's up in the frozen tundra of what, Michigan? Whatever. Michigan. <laughs> He literally posted a picture this morning with snowshoes on and going through the woods. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is ridiculous. But Nathan has been helping carry the torch at life, praying for Life University. Good friends with Emily. And God's done something great in her life. Here you go. Am I holding the microphone right? Okay. Hi, everyone. Um, My name is Emily. Um, all right. So I guess background story. Um, I became friends with Nate and Dom and Catherine in like July. And I was like immediately struck by how different they are. And I was like, what is it about you that you're, you're different? And I'm like curious. And so they invited me to church with them. And I was like, okay, I'll go. All right. My first time here, honestly, I was uncomfortable. I was like, what? People are doing this? And I'm like, what? And um, anyway, so I was like, but the message was amazing. And I was like, there's value in that. There's value in that. And so uh, <laughs> Nate gave me a Bible, and he said, start reading this at John. And I was like, OK. And so I started reading. Never read the Bible before. And I started to see who Jesus is. And I was, like, blown away. Blown away. Every time I would read it, I would read it every night before I went to bed. And I was just, like, awestruck. And, um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of a passionate person. So when I'm into something, I'm not mild about it. I, like, sprint after it. And so I started reading the Bible diligently every day and, like, praying hardcore for like change in myself and I was asking for um for like little deaths of my human nature and for it to be replaced with something that doesn't change and so I was just like I would been doing this for like maybe six weeks and I was like am I doing this right do I believe what I'm saying like is this coming from a real place and the moment that I had those doubts I had this insane connection like feeling with within my heart and it radiated throughout my whole body and it was in my legs and it like took my breath away and my eyes filled up with tears because I realized that God was with me my whole life 
and I understood that never-ending love and uh, it, w it was such a profound visceral experience that I was just like okay I would be disrespectful to not follow this because it's been shown so evidently to me so uh, that was November 1st and yeah I haven't been baptized yet but it's on my list <laughs> so, yeah. What happened to the conference? What happened to the conference? Oh, just renewed sense of identity. Renewed, like, true identity in, like, Jesus and not my own self-concept. So, yeah. Come on. So, Emily is in First Steps right now. It's a class that we, we've started where we're laying fresh foundations for you to be a more fruitful and effective disciple of Jesus. And you heard her say it. She's a passionate person, but she hadn't necessarily been passionate about God. She'd never read the Bible before. I want you to hear this because it's easy for us to be passionate about a lot of things, isn't it? We're passionate about sports. We're passionate about our hobbies. We're passionate about all these things. But then when it comes to God, hands in our pocket, arms crossed. And I want you to know that there is life in relationship with Jesus. And that life is so visceral and so true and real that the only response at times is to lift your hands, to get on your knees, to cry to be in worship to him. And we serve a God that is holy and good and is still moving in the hearts and lives of people. What do you need today? Do you need God to move in your life today? Stand to your feet. I love hearing the stories from students. You've, we've got stories that you can hear of families as well. But church, my hope is that you're feeling the lights getting turned on afresh in your heart and in your soul today. Because like the stack of stones that reminds us of God's faithfulness, it's we have living testimonies, a, a, living, a, a living example of what God can do. And if he can do it for them, he can do it for you. Father, I pray right now over our church, this church, every, every person sitting here today, God, I pray for a fresh wind of the Holy Spirit in their life. Lord, I pray in the same way that the lights can tend to go out in our life. Lord, I pray right now that we would be so renewed, so refreshed, so alive in you. You said that we are the light of the world. And so, God, we ask right now that you would help us to be that. Help us to shine like the stars. 
If you're sitting here this morning and you need to renew your faith in Christ and you need to put your faith in him, I'm asking that you would just stand right where you are. Raise your hand right where you are. With every eye shut, we're going to do an old school moment right now and we're going to pray. Does anybody here need to renew their faith in Jesus right now? You can lift your hand. Slowly you can lift it. High you can lift it. Uh, quietly. Uh, wherever you are, right here, say, Jesus, I choose to follow you afresh today. Move in my life, Jesus. I thank you for your power. I thank you for your strength. I thank you for your mercy. And I'm asking that you would move in my life right now. I love you, Lord. I turn away from everything that doesn't please you. And I choose to follow you today. I love you, Lord.